Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. An event that has been part of Acadiana. For 31 years, the Chittimacha Louisiana Open received some bad news, bad news, if you will, was made official that the PGA Tour in its restructuring of how it operates its tournaments, how it operates its business model, and that includes the Corn Ferry Tour, which is the pathway to the PGA Tour made the announcement yesterday that they were dropping the Chittimacha Louisiana Open as part of its tournament schedule, not only for the 2023 season upcoming, but also for years in the future. Where does the tournament go from here? We don't know as of yet. But it is a bit of an end of an era for a great sporting event here in Acadiana. A premier sporting event here in Acadiana. One that many of you have enjoyed. We ourselves have been part of for a decade. Where we set up our trailer and we broadcast our shows live from behind the 18th green. And part of it taking part in the Pro-Am, but it's no more. In addition to the Chittimacha Louisiana Open, presented by Mistross, being dropped from the schedule, the PGA Tour, in its wisdom, decided to drop two other tournaments as well, one in Maine, which really doesn't impact us all that much. The other one, the Lake Charles Championship, which just got off the ground earlier this year. Played there at the Country Club at Golden Nugget. We were part of that as well. We took part in that Pro-Am. We covered that event. It was a great event, I thought. Very first year. And what an amazing event to have for the Lake Charles area. It was supposed to launch two years prior, but then the COVID-19 pandemic shut everything down. And then hurricanes. But they finally had the golf tournament. It was a resounding success. The golfers loved it. The community came out. Volunteers came out. And earlier this year, it was like, wow, you got these back-to-back tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour here in the state of Louisiana. It's a great thing for southwest Louisiana. It's great for the state. And now the punch in the gut, courtesy of the PGA Tour, is... And now you're no longer part of the schedule. And I get it. It's a business. I understand all of that. The PGA Tour is, let's say, restructuring would be the best way to describe this. 
But this is, let's be honest, a fallout a little bit. The PGA Tour wants to continue growing the Corn Ferry Tour. For years, what was known as the Nike Tour or the Buy.com Tour or the Nationwide Tour or Web.com Tour and lately Corn Ferry Tour was always the, the, the secondary tour, right? It was your pathway to becoming a PGA Tour golfer. You win a tournament, you place pretty well in a couple of tournaments, you can move your way up and get into the fields for PGA Tour events. But the tour's been trending this way. And they want to make more money. And they want to have bigger purses for their golfers to compete in. And this is boils down to, quite simply, greed. This is the world of professional golf in its quest for greed having a trickle-down effect on us here in Acadiana and in southwest Louisiana. That's what it's all about. The PGA Tour has been trending this way with Monaghan in control, in charge. I said it, not taking it back. He wanted to stash all the money for himself and for the tour. What happened? A lot of the older golfers that had passed their prime said, guess what, we'll go get paid by a bunch of guys from Saudi Arabia, and make a ton of money for not even having to finish in the top 10 or top 20. We can finish dead last and still get paid $100 million. And the PGA Tour cries, Oh, no, we don't have this. You And then all of a sudden, now they restructure everything, and they have money to give, but it's going to be at the expense. Because now their greed is going to be on full display. It was already there. We like to make the Live Tour guys the greedy ones. Now, the PGA Tour, they're just as greedy. Just as greedy. They just weren't blatantly open and immoral about their greed. Greedy's greedy. It doesn't matter how you want to come at it. And because they want the Corn Ferry Tour to be essentially a smaller version of the PGA Tour. They want to have their events in bigger locations. They want to have their events at bigger courses. They want to have their events with more money so they can put more money in their back pockets and give more money to their golfers. And this is what it's about. They don't give one good, solitary, iota, care, anything about the fact that the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open for years has donated millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to local charities in southwest Louisiana. They don't care that having the tournament in Lake Charles last year was a great boost for an economy still reeling from not one but two devastating hurricanes. So they, they, they don't care about any of that. The bottom line for Monahan and his cronies is money. It's all they care about. And to be honest with you, it's the only thing they've ever cared about. Period. It's the only thing they've ever cared about. They don't care about anything else. They can sit there and do all their photo ops with everything about, oh, you know, we care about spreading the game of golf and we care about, you know, uh, having golf in communities and Oh, you know, we care about the local community. No, they don't. No, they don't. 
this is about greed. The reason why we're not going to have the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open presented by Mistross next year in the capacity that it's always been part of as part of the Corn Ferry Tour or whatever variation that tour has been over the years with the sponsor. The reason why it's not going to be happening is because agreed by the PGA Tour. Don't let other people tell you otherwise. Don't get it twisted. Don't get confused because that's what it boils down to. I've had numerous people text me and they're bummed and they're disappointed and they're pissed off and I get it. Spoke with Danny Jones yesterday and you know what? Danny takes the high road because that's the type of person Danny is. And he had, had all of us media folks come by to talk to him, myself and Kevin and George Faust and Seth Lewis and all the TV folks and everyone came and he granted interviews and he, he took the high road. And he's not going to say it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what it boils down to. It's greed. PGA, PGA Tour is prioritizing greed. And they're going to try to make you blame the guys that left for the live tour. They're going to try to do that. If your organization is so fragile that a couple of washed up over the hill golfers who don't move the needle socially, who don't matter in the grand scheme of things, who couldn't be recognized at your local grocery store and they're leaving because guys from Saudi Arabia want to uh, improve their global image for their crimes against humanity, if that disrupts your organization, if that cripples, and if your organization is so fragile because of that, then you're not doing your job. You're not running your organization the right way. You're a failure as a leader, plain and simple. I don't want to hear all this. It's easy to make the live guys the scapegoats in all of this because, oh, we'll just blame it on them because they're greedy and they want more money. Of course they're greedy. But their greed is a direct result of your own greed. Pot, meat, kettle, have a conversation. And the bigger thing here is the other tournaments. Because it sure does feel like this is going to be similar to what NASCAR did there in the mid to late 90s where they decided to step away from the places where people cared about their sport and went chasing corporate money and went chasing millions of dollars when they decided to leave the traditional areas of the Southeast and they went out West and they decided to go to Vegas and they decided to go to all these other locations and NASCAR had that big push and money was being printed. He's just falling from the sky. How's NASCAR doing these days? How's that working out for them after they did all that paper chasing? They alienated a lot of their fan base. They alienated a lot of the folks that actually cared about their sport. This is what it feels like to me. And if I'm non-Corn Ferry tour stops, if I'm other places that 
have had long-standing traditions of having tournaments and are kind of off the beaten path or not on the coast or not on the, the big markets, if you will, I'd be a little worried. Because it sure does feel like the PGA Tour in their initiative of greed is going to go down a path where it's going to push them away and push out those other tournaments and say, you know what, you don't have a big enough purse. You know what, you don't put enough money in our back pocket. Instead of only putting a few million, we want that to be doubled. And since you can't do that, we're going to take your tournament away. Who does that serve? Doesn't serve the community. Doesn't serve the state. Doesn't serve the golfers. Not really. A couple, what, hundred, you know, what, an extra hundred, a couple extra hundred thousand dollars to a purse. You think that really matters in the grand scheme of things? No. Who it benefits is the man in charge of the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour. This is a greed decision. There's no reason why, first of all, the Chittimacho Louisiana Open has been part of the tour for 31 years. 31. Other tournaments have come and gone. It's been here. And it raises money for charity. It's at a smaller course. It's off the beaten path. Katiana, obviously, is not Baton Rouge, not New Orleans. But they do a tremendous job. It's a tremendous event. It helps the community. So you're just going to take that away? You're just going to make the decision? Well, you know what? Uh, we're not making as much money as, as we'd like, so we're going to gut that. Thank you for your service for 31 years. That's greed. And you read what the director for the Lake Charles Championship had to say, and his words were, were not as nice. And I understand his frustration because they had to battle through to get that event. They finally get granted the event. It's taken away from them because of COVID. That's not their fault. Hurricanes, not their fault. So was the PGA Tour's intention the whole time just to let Lake Charles have a professional golf tournament for just one year? Because it sure does feel that way. Sure does feel like all that stuff they said earlier this year, which, by the way, was just, what, five, six months ago, that it was just all BS. It was all lies. Oh, we're so happy that we're here in Lake Charles. We're so happy. BS. Because if you were happy about it, you would be committed to having the tournament there in an area devastated by not one but two hurricanes. You're telling on yourself, PGA Tour. This is a decision based on greed. Nothing more. Nothing more. You take a tournament away from an area that had it for 31 years, three decades of service, three decades of putting on great programs, three decades of serving the community, three decades of having some of the best volunteers I've ever seen at any golf tournament I've ever covered, and I've covered them all. PGA Tour, Adams Tour, any type of tour you want to think of. The volunteers that Danny had at the Chittimacha, Above and beyond. Oh, and by the way, it's donated millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to charity. 
And Lake Charles wanted to do the same thing. The Lake Charles Championship wanted to be on that same level, and they wanted to do something for the community. And the volunteers that came out for the inaugural championship earlier this year, they were so happy. They were so proud to have something like this for their community, to put the positive spotlight on their community, because their community has been nothing but negative stories for the last few years because of the hurricanes. And the Lake Charles Championship gave them something to rally around. And PGA Tour says, aha, hope you enjoyed that. Psych. It's all BS. The bottom line is about greed. And don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, plain and simple. I shouldn't be this fired up the day after my birthday. But I had to get that off my chest. Was not going to let that fester anymore. But you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to take a timeout. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names is, is already looking at me. She's like, ooh. When did Kevin Foote walk in here? I'll calm it down. I'll bring it down. Intern extraordinaire Moses Campos is in the house. Shout out to him. Found his way in the door. Without me. Boom. Already making strides. We got to take a timeout. When we return, though, here on this edition of RP3 and Company, is it time to unveil the poll question of the week? Poll question of the day, rather, which is our foodie poll question of the week. It's about donuts. See, now I'm feeling good. Now I'm feeling happy. Just thinking about donuts. Little morsels from heaven. That's what donuts are. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's another two-for-one deal from McKittyandadeals.com. You can get yourself a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for just $20. That's right. It's a $40 deal for half the price. Once again, go visit AcadianaDeals.com today. That's AcadianaDeals.com to get yourself a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only $20. Woo. Got to get that at Katie Deals. I like some tasty barbecue. You know what else I like? Donuts. Our foodie poll question of the week was inspired by yesterday. My wife bringing our daughter to surprise me on my birthday and bringing me donuts. I love donuts. As you can tell, look at this magnificent bod of mine. I am... A man who appreciates donuts. I do love a good donut. So that inspired us for our foodie poll question of the week, which we do every Wednesday. We ask, what's your favorite type of donut? Is it the classic glazed? Is it chocolate frosted? Is it jelly or custard filled? 
Or is it other? Could it be like an old-fashioned cake donut? Maybe powdered donuts. We want to hear from you. What's your favorite type of donut? On Classic Glazed is leading the vote right now. 45%. 26% of you say chocolate frosted. 19% say jelly custard filled. 10% say other. This poll question has only been up for 30 minutes. We already have 30 votes. <laughs> These are my favorite. <laughs> These are my favorite. Let's get to some of the comments. Ton on Twitter says, okay, but hear me out. Kalachis, boudin, or ham and cheese for the win. Ooh, those are good. Bonus, if chocolate-covered donuts are served with, I hate Wednesdays, I got to find a donut shop worth a darn in Columbia now. Y'all going to get me fatter and broker on Wednesdays. You're welcome, Ton. Hart says, Bavarian cream filled is my personal favorite. Ooh, glazed exterior with a taste of heaven in the center. Speaking my language, Hart. JPK, the OD, says there can only be one, the maple bacon long john. Oh, I would tell you where, but hashtag no free ads. JPK, the OD, we won't announce it on the air, but I want you to direct message me where I can get that deliciousness that you have shared on the timeline. Steve says, not for me. Steve, Steve lives a little bit of a healthier lifestyle. Okay. He says, not for me. But there's a donut shop in Versailles, Kentucky that serves this bacon cheeseburger glazed donut sandwich. Whoa! Watch out. That's yes. <laughs> Hannah and I are both looking at the photo that Steve sent. <laughs> it's a cheeseburger, a bacon cheeseburger with donuts as the bread. That looks like the type of thing I would like to have as my last meal. Be like, I'm coming, but I got to finish this first. John Paul Cage Daddy says buttermilk is the best ever. Joe Cola says chocolate filled for the win. Love these responses. Christopher says, thanks a lot, RP3. When I have a doctor's appointment for my cholesterol, you have me thinking about donuts. <laughs> Hashtag your boy halftime. You are welcome, halftime. That's what I'm here for, brother. That is what I'm here for. Uh, let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on a man who probably encourages not to eat as many donuts as I do. He probably would be fussing at me if he was my personal doctor. Our guy, Doc. Good morning, bud. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, I do actually personally like donuts. I think in limited fashions, like most things. But uh, I think my favorite is the blueberry cake with icing. Oh, that's so good. You know what? I have to be in a mood for a good cake donut, Doc. But when, when they make it right, oh, man. It's a game changer. Bro. Yeah, it's a game changer. The other thing I was calling, I was pretty shocked about hearing that yesterday as well about them um, leaving. But in the interest of uh, you know free thing, wouldn't this be technically an opportunity for somebody to contact the LIB? I mean, if you're talking a PR stance, um, it would be a fantastic thing for the LIB to come in and say, well, you know what, if you guys don't think this is important, we do. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever thought about that, but that may be something Daddy might want to reach out for. I mean, because then that shows, you know, if you're trying to say PR, well, we're trying to help everybody. We're Correct. not just trying to help ourselves. Correct. That's a good point, Doc. I appreciate that, brother. And, yeah, look, so, and, and, and this is – and have a great day. And, th look, this is, is okay. going to be an opportunity. Look, talking to Danny, and he's going to be joining us at 7.15 this morning. Okay? We only had three guests scheduled. 
got Danny on to make it four on this Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company. He'll be our first one up at 7.15, followed by at 7.30, Ron Higgins to talk LSU. Jay Walker will join us at his new time every week on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. And then we'll have the Big Easy Blitz with Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast at 8.30. And we'll bring this up. And look, this was bantered. This is an opportunity for someone else to step in. This is an opportunity for someone else to say, you know what? We still value these smaller markets having these tournaments. Because we know what it means to the community. We know that they're going to come out. You know what the volunteer support system is going to be like. The Chittimacha Louisiana Open has 30 years of a reputation that's impeccable. Period. You don't think that's going to be attractive to other places? Now, is it going to be the same? Are you going to have the same resources? Is the purse going to be the same if it's not, say, the Live Tour, if it's, say, maybe the Adams Tour or one of these other uh, other tours? Yeah. But don't get it confused either that if you think that Danny and his team are going to be putting on some type of event to keep the Louisiana Open alive in some form or fashion, it may not be what we're accustomed to, but they're going to be doing something that's going to be helping out Acadiana. You can bet on that. Good phone call by Doc. Man brought up the blueberry cake donut. Game changer. Already some good reaction. Of course, keep voting on our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. It's what we like to do. Middle of the week, get you ready for the weekend. When we come back, though, here on RP3 and Company, we're going to touch on some Raging Cajuns, Heard from Coach Dez the other day. We'll get to that. We'll get to what happened last night with Hunter Brown. Oh, he looks good. Sure to look, hey, look, if the Astros part ways with Justin Verlander in the offseason, God forbid, I'm pretty sure you got your number one ace framer. Valdez already on staff, and Hunter Brown can easily take up one of those rotation spots because the young man looks like he is the real deal. We'll touch on that. And also the latest involving... Oh, Brett Favre. (laughs) Uh, The man can't stop not being in the news, and we'll get to what dirtbag antics he has been taking part in. That's all coming up next. But before we do so, week one of the NFL season is in the books. Week two is upon us. Are you ready for week two of Thursday Night Football? Then you need to get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on LA or KC to win if your team leads by seven at any point during the game. That's it. You get paid instantly, even if your team loses. It's a no-lose situation. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, bonuses issued as a free bet, one early win token issued at opt-in, money line bets only. 
Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. We got to take a timeout. More coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you got to make sure to join me. That's right, RP3. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, this Friday from noon till 1 at the Cigar Merchant at 1001 Coolidge in the Oil Center. Go register. No, no, time out. I'm being told. No, you don't need to register. You know what you need to do? You need to come see me at the oil center at Cigar Merchant. Because here's the deal. I got tickets to give away. I got tickets to LSU football, UL football. I got your tickets. I'm going to put them on the big wheel. Any of you that came out for the birthday bash where we celebrated a decade of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station knows about the wheel. Well, it's the prize wheel. You get up there, you spin it like you're on the old game show, and wherever it lands, that's what you win. It could be a koozie. It could be a T-shirt, or it could be LSU football tickets, or it could be Louisiana Raging Cajun football tickets. But you got to come see me. Friday, noon to 1 at the Cigar Merchant at 1001 Coolidge in the Oil Center. So make sure you swing by, see me, Spin the prize wheel so you can score yourself free tickets to go see UL or LSU football games. It's this Friday at the Cigar Merchant. Let's talk about Houston Astros. You know, they're the best team in baseball, right? That's not named the Los Angeles Dodgers, record-wise. Dodgers just keep moving, mowing right, right along. They took what used to be the early 2000s and early 2000s Red Sox principle of let's try to buy championships by spending more money than anyone else, and they have kind of perfected it. But the Astros are the best team in the American League. They won yet again yesterday against Detroit, and it was Brown's time, Hunter Brown's time to be more exact. The young man who's from Detroit, right? It was a big deal for him to go pitch there. His idol is Justin Verlander. We've talked about that more than a few times. And what did he do in his second start? Look, sometimes when you get called up to the show, like he did, because he was dominating AAA competition down there in Sugarland, you have a great first start. But then that's it, right? You kind of come back to earth a little bit and start number two. Because that's what happens. The reason why it's the show. Well, this is what Hunter Brown, the young man, the rook, did in his second start. They're at Comerica Park. Gave up five hits, only two earned runs, 
in six innings, struck out six through 82 pitches. 57 of them were strikes. Two major league starts. He has an ERA of 1.50. Don't think the moment's too big for the young man. There's sometimes where you just see guys, especially in baseball, when you see them even in the minor leagues and you go, oh, that guy's got it. He's got it. And watching footage of him in, at Sugarland, and I went, oh, that guy's going to get that, that. That guy has the stuff. Like you can just tell. And sure enough, he has the stuff. And I'll be interesting to see how they utilize him the rest of the way. They finally called him up. Verlander's on the men. You don't want to overwork him when he comes back. You don't want to overwork Lance McCullers Jr. because he's coming off the injury as well, even though he's pitched well. You don't want to do it. You got guys like Framer, who has been phenomenal. Jose Arquiti has pitched really well. Even Garcia, who's been more up and down, has pitched pretty well. You you don't want to overwork them, right? Because you're going to need those arms for the postseason run because the Astros are coming off five straight ALCS appearances and three World Series appearances in five years. They'd like to make it six straight ALCSs. They'd like to make it a fourth World Series appearance in six years. But to do that, you're going to have to have the fresh arms and everything. So I think you're going to see Brown have more of an opportunity to have multiple starts here in September, even early in October. Whether or not he makes the postseason roster, that's another discussion. They may keep him on the roster and use him coming out of the pen to be a middle reliever, if you will, if something goes wrong with one of the other guys. But a wealth of riches, so to speak. And here's the other thing for Houston. Verlander's going to be a free agent. They're going to want to keep him. Uh, We all know that. All reports coming out of Houston is that he would like to stay, they would like to have him, but whether or not, especially if Verlander wins the Cy Young, he's probably going to command a ridiculous amount of money on the open market. Will the Astros pay that? I don't know. That's typically not what they do. But let's say, for whatever reason, they would part ways. Well, you got Valdez is now your number one. They've already locked him in. That's done. And now you got a guy like Hunter Brown they can be added to the rotation. And you'd have Valdez and McCullers and Urquidy and Garcia and Brown. Yeah, that's a filthy five-man rotation. Astros won the game 6-3. to three. They're now 92-50 and 50 as they were able to get the dub there in Hunter Brown's homecoming to Detroit. And we had a Yuli Gurriel is not dead sighting because he hit a home run last night. His first one since July the 1st. It is September 14th now. Bregman was able to turn it around. Finally playing like he did back in 2019. First couple months of the season, he was dreadful. But Dusty Baker is an old school baseball guy. And old school baseball guys have a philosophy. I'm going to let my guy hit out of his slump. I don't care if he's terrible I'm going to let him find his way because the only way to really do it, the only way to really get back on track is actually having hacks at the plate. It's the only way to do it. And Dusty's built that way. He's old school. He's not an analytical guy. 
He played the game. He played the game. He played in the show. He's been coaching in the show for 40 years, 50 years. Dusty is old school baseball guy. And it worked. Bregman has the baby and he's been phenomenal. He has been rolling. If you get anything out of Yuli, it's bonus right now. Because Yuli's had one of the worst seasons of his career after winning the batting title a year ago. He has looked lost. He looks washed. If you can get anything out of Yuli, it's bonus for this Astros team. Because you got Kyle Tucker, who has been magnificent for this team. Jose Altuve. The legend continues. It seems like every time I see that. Bregman is playing up to form. Even Alvarez being hobbled with the wrist injury. Astros are going to be a tough out, man. They're going to be a tough out. They just are. Strohs will wrap up their series against Detroit. That will be later on today. We'll have day baseball for you. That means no Jordy Holberg show. Instead, we'll have Tiger Strohs right here on the game. Oh, man. But while we have a few minutes, and we'll get to Raging Cajuns later on in today's show, I want to talk about Brett Favre. I mean, we started off the show talking about greed with the PGA Tour taking away the Chittimacha Louisiana Open and the late Charles Championship. Let's circle back to that, shall we? Because old number four. (laughs) So, for those who don't know, let me give you a little synopsis of what number four has been up to. Uh, he's been up He's been up to stealing money from the state of Mississippi, one of the poorest states in the country. His people, because he's from Kiln, Mississippi. I know Kiln. I actually lived about 15 minutes away from where Brett Favre grew up when I was a kid for a, a brief amount of time. It's dirt road, Mississippi, okay? These are Brett's people. So, old Favre extorted money, essentially, from the residents of the proud state of Mississippi. And he got the former governor to help him do that. (laughs) Yes, you heard that properly. Brett Favre was able to get former Mississippi governor to help him obtain welfare funds, welfare funds for University Volleyball Stadium. They released the text messages yesterday. That's what caused such a firestorm yesterday. (laughs) You know, Favre, got a lot of skeletons in that closet. Lots of them he came clean with. The Vicodin addiction while he was playing. Then he had the marital affairs. Then he had sexual harassment and sending pictures that you don't supposed to be sending all types of kind of like sleazy kind of you know dirtbag stuff but this chef's kiss even more so an investigative report by mississippi today revealed on tuesday that former governor phil bryant helped legendary hall of fame quarterback brett Favre obtain welfare funds in order to help build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Miss where Brett Favre attended. The organization reviewed text messages from 2017 and 2019 that were filed Monday in the state of Mississippi civil lawsuit over misspent welfare funds. 
The texts were filed by an attorney representing Nancy New, who has already pled guilty to 13 felony counts of bribery, fraud, and racketeering for her role in the welfare scheme. New was the founder of the Mississippi Community Education Center, which was tasked with spending tens of millions in federal welfare funds to help the state. State auditors determined nonprofit leaders misspent at least $77 million in welfare funds in the largest case of public fraud in Mississippi history. <laughs> and Farm is right there. The text show that Favre knew and the governor discussed how to divert at least $5 million in welfare funds to build a volleyball stadium at Southern Miss. Why? You're just thinking, well, Brett wanted to do something nice for his alma mater and just didn't want to pay for it. Well, he gets a little, no, that's it. Also, his daughter was a volleyball player there at the time. So, number four, good old number four, the old gunslinger, said, hey, Gov, well, can we uh, take some of that money for the welfare system and can we just move it over here, if we will, to build a new volleyball center at my alma mater so my daughter cannot, uh, can play in something brand new? Not a problem, Brett. We got you covered. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, Favre. He said, the text show, this is the, my favorite part. Quote, if you were to pay me, is there any way that the media could find out where it came from and how much? Favre asked in a text message back in 2017. And after telling Favre, quote, we never have that information publicized, she circled back to him the next day. Quote, wow, just got off the phone with Phil Bryant. He's on board with us. We'll get this done. Mississippi trying to come after Louisiana for state corruption. I mean, that's the title we hold dear. Us in Illinois, we're like, we got this. But Mississippi's like, hold my beer. Here we come. We coming. We got to take a time out. Because what? What are we doing, man? Oh, our number one of RB3 and companies coming to a close. Here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, goodness gracious. Me, oh, my crawfish pie. Let's check in on that poll question of the day because we asked you, what's your favorite type of donut? Right now, leading the vote, 50% of you say classic glazed. 22% say chocolate frosted. 17% say jelly or custard filled. 11% have said other. Brad has chimed in. A jelly donut? No, private pile. Classic glaze is the best. Now eat it. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for all full metal jacket gifts that are being used. By the way, look at the votes. Y'all are killing it. Absolutely killing it. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. Oh, man. We'll be back. We'll be better than ever in just a few moments. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire. And no, did we plan to wear the same shirt today? It just so happened that way. When you're got this type of thing going, right? You're on the same page. Teamwork makes the dream work. Boom. These things just happen. These things just happen. Miss Hannah Five Names is in the house. The intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, is in the house. He's got to be feeling good about his Astros. He'll be feeling good about talking about donuts coming up next hour. Go ahead and put that on your agenda, bud. 8.15. Spotlight. Time for the intern extraordinaire, the producer extraordinaire as well. As we talk about what we do every Wednesday. Yeah, we talk about the topics of the day. The... Chittimacho, Louisiana Open. Taken away, being taken off the Corn Ferry Tour schedule as well as the Lake Charles Championship by the PGA Tour. That was made official yesterday. Disappointing. Lots of folks are upset about it. I understand why. A lot of folks are surprised by it. I understand why as well. We touched on that. We touched on Hunter Brown. Looking like he is just ready to be a big league pitcher. Another great start by him. His homecoming proves to be successful as he gets the dub as the Astros get the win over the Detroit Tigers in game two of this early week series. So we talked to Astros. We talked the Chittimacha Louisiana Open and the late Charles Championship. Right? We talked about Brett Favre extorting money from the state of Mississippi to build things that he deemed necessary. Just adding to the dirtbag legacy of his. But you know what? It's Wednesday. You know what Wednesday is? Foodie poll question of the week. It's what we do, and it's about the donuts. No, we're not talking about James Mesh, the afternoon producer and co-host of Miguez, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, who Miss Hannah Five Names has lovingly referred to as Donut, and I've started to do it now, and I don't think James is too happy about it. He just looks at me. He's like, please don't talk, please don't call me that. <laughs> please, please don't. Please don't. Please, please. <laughs> please don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, but yet, here we are, and we're doing it. But we asked you. What's your favorite type of donut? This was inspired yesterday. Got a nice little birthday surprise. The wife and daughter swung by before going to school and brought me donuts. So what's your favorite type of donut? Not the, not the, not the chain. Okay. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about favorite type of donut. Is it the classic glazed? Is it chocolate frosted? Is it filled jelly or custard? Or is it other? Do you like an old-fashioned cake donut? Maybe a powder donut? 
What is it? Let's go to some comments on Facebook. Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, says chocolate, of course. Elizabeth, my daughter says unicorn meaning glazed with sprinkles. My wife says get to work. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. Randy says my favorite type is jelly, but Krispy Kreme has a cheesecake-filled donut that is utterly heavenly glob of artery-hardening, belly-expanding ecstasy. The best ever. Randy and I may become now best friends. This, this sounds amazing. Neil on Facebook says, glazed with crushed dried shrimp on top. What? What? What is this? What? Glazed with crushed dried shrimp on top? Edward simply says, chocolate. Tori says, classic glaze in twist form. I don't know about this the dried shrimp on top. What is this about? Is this a thing? Right now, 48% of you with your votes say classic glazed. 17% say jelly or custard filled. And 25% say chocolate frosted. 10% say other. Some great comments here. Derek on Twitter says Bavarian cream filled powdered donut. Ooh, that does sound good. Todd Dugas says, are kolaches considered a donut? That's a good question. I don't think so. Right? I mean, a kolache is more like a corn dog. Right? I don't know. Meshes pulled pork all day but love a good donut hole. Donut holes are good. That's what our daughter prefers. Just donut holes, boom. And you know what's great about donut holes? That means you're not being wasteful. Not throwing the, the excess donut in the trash. You just fry them up. I wonder who came up with that. The first person to come up with that idea, first donut maker, <clears throat> like, I'm just throwing all this dough away. Boom, hole, done. Then someone's like, whoa, time out. Just throw it in the vat. Let's cook it up. What? Yes. Let's go. I do enjoy a good donut hole. Some great comments. I'm still obsessing. Uh, JPK, the OD, has informed me who, in fact, has this maple bacon long john that I see on the timeline. Also, shout out to Salty Steve. I feel like Steve has a secret life where he's like a food critic or writes up profiles of restaurants and eateries. Like, is Steve, is, does Steve have a part-time job working for like diners, drive-ins, and dives? Does he somehow work with Guy Fieri? I'm just asking. Just saying. Is that, is that a side hustle gig for Salty Steve? But this donut shop in Versailles, Kentucky, bacon cheeseburger glazed donut sandwich. Ooh. Ooh, that looks so good. Look, when you're a big fat boy, these are the things that you're talking about. These are the things I'm looking at. I look at this and I say, can I make this my back? Can I make this the wallpaper on my phone? A bacon cheeseburger with donuts as the bun. Hello now. Let's get it. 
But I do feel like Steve has a secret life, some type of side hustle that he's not telling us about. Because he knows all the spots. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. What's uh, Something's happening. Something's happening. Let's turn our attention now to what's happening in the producer's room with the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, and our intern extraordinaire, Mr. Moses Campos. What's going on in there? Uh, well, we were... At first, as soon as you said, how he will come with a donut. So now I'm like researching on how the donut came to be. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and then he said, I mean, I am very willing to go and get us donuts because I am starving. I said, I am too, because our wheat thins are like not like the crispy wheat thins. They're bad. So I have cream cheese with nothing to, to put the cream cheese on. So I'm going to stop you right there. We're thinking about going to get. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. You had me at having Moses go get donuts. Yeah. No one cares about your cream cheese wheat thins abomination that you tried to digest today. Or as you told me before we went on the air this morning, this is always a good sign that you're not eating something that you should. When you go, they're so bad, I have to put cream cheese on them just to try to eat them. Well, I don't like the original wheat thins. The other one, like the tomato and basil and all the other types they do to the Then why didn't you buy those? This was free when our... Neighbors got evicted and they didn't change their Walmart order location, so we got their their food and paper towels. <laughs> Did fault. you just omit on the, the air? Ceiling? Yeah. That <laughs> you took someone else's Walmart order, delivery order, and that you decided to take it instead because they moved away. Well, I mean, they did also buy a two-pound bag of hot tamales. Like, who does buy a whole two-pound bag of hot tamales? He brought it in the house so it wouldn't get soiled, and they never See, came back. So, this is why we should do more <laughs> background checks on when we hire people. Who knew that Hannah Five Names was a thief? Well, Stealing other people's food? It's just meat thins and sliced beets. You want, you want a can of sliced beets, Raymond? No, I will take said <laughs> can of sliced beets, and then I will promptly throw it back at you. Yeah. Because, <laughs> no. I also wanted to steal my mom's answer to her the poll question, which was the twist form glazed donut, because those are really good. You could, like, pull apart the donut. And True, but it's it, still it's, it's still technically a glazed donut. Yeah, it is. Yes. I mean, but no matter what, for the win, chocolate frosted with sprinkles is always the win with chocolate milk. Always the win. Yeah. All right, Moses, when are you making a donut run? <laughs> he said he will leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of his internship as a, to see how well he drives to go get donuts and bring them back. Oh, goodness. Keep voting on the poll question of the day. And if you live anywhere near producer extraordinary <laughs> Hannah Five Names, and if you don't pick up your order of food being delivered, uh, you put yourself in a dangerous position of having her take it from you. So I mean, I put it in the house for them, and then they never came back to come get it. So I was like, well. Um, time out. Time out. They did get evicted because they didn't pay their rent. So, I mean, I don't think they're coming back. So, t- <laughs> I don't want to pay for the Walmart. <laughs> you put it inside their house. I put it inside our house because oh, I know okay, they were okay. evicted. Because so I, I was about to say, AC. not only did you steal, but you also no, I put it in, in our apartment, and then they didn't, they didn't come back, and so, all right, uh, yeah. Okay, doggy so. dog world. I got it. I got it. <laughs>
keep voting on our poll question of the day. What's your go-to, your favorite style of donut? It's our foodie poll question of the week. But before we take a timeout, hey, need to remind you that my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite, they offer the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, and your man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free showers. That's right. No muss, no fuss, and guess what? No odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be fully renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Slaff hit marble and granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. When we return, Danny Jones, Executive Director of the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open, presented by Mistross, will join us to talk about the news that came out yesterday about the future of the tournament. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Chinmacha, Louisiana Open, presented by Mistross, has been raising funds for charities here in Acadiana and for the state of Louisiana for 31 years. It's a great event, a premier event, one of the the only pro event that's held in the area. And some surprising news came out yesterday. Sad news for a lot of folks. A lot of folks are angry about it as well. And all of those emotions are to be expected. The PGA Tour has decided to drop the Chittimacha Louisiana Open, as well as the Lake Charles Championship and another tournament in Maine from its schedule for the Corn Ferry Tour starting in 2023 and moving forward. Where does the tournament go from here? And just what has this tournament meant to the man who's been running it for as long as I can remember? He's our first guest today. My good friend, the executive director of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open, Danny Jones. Danny, good morning, brother. I appreciate you making the time. I know it's a Tough time right now, but I appreciate you making the time nonetheless, my friend. Good morning to you and good morning to everyone out there. And I'd be remiss if I told you yesterday, but a day late. Happy birthday to the RP3. Thank you, brother. So hope, you had a, hope you had a great day. I did. I did. So let's, let's talk about the news. You, you had heard rumblings about this because things started coming out about the Lake Charles Championship more than a week ago. 
And so obviously you started hearing things, but when did you know that this could possibly be a possibility that the PGA Tour may decide to step away and no longer uh, allow you guys to be on the schedule for the Corn Ferry Tour? About two and a half weeks ago was when I had my initial conversation after you know hearing a couple of rumors and had the initial conversation, hung up the phone for a metaphor, looked in the mirror and went, this is the beginning of the end. Uh, we were starting, you know, at that point could see the writing on the wall and just knew we were, we were in trouble. Um, wasn't ideal. Wasn't what we wanted. Um, but it was better to be, you know, somewhat prepared for what was coming this past Thursday. Uh, so, you know, for, for the better part of a week and a half, once we finally found out and now two and a half weeks, since we, you know, uh, since we first had the inkling, uh, that's when that's when things started getting a little uh, hairy for us, and, and understanding that this could, you know, realistically be a possibility. You so let's start let's start right at the top. So, what's the reasoning that was given for for having you guys no longer be part of the schedule, despite thirty one years of kind of service? to the PGA Tour and putting on a great event like you guys have? Well, at the end of the day, this, you know, they, they had they had several reasons because, I mean, a lot goes into this. It's not just something that's, you know, taken lightly. And, and before I say anything else, let me let me say this because I understand there, there's people upset. And, look, we don't like it ourselves, but it is a reality. Um, we had a great partnership for 31 years. Um, they allowed us, they being the PGA Tour, to have professional golf at one of its highest levels here in Acadiana for 31 years, and, and more importantly, provided us the, the foundation, the structure to go forth and make a over $5 million difference in this community. So we had a great partnership. So don't let that be lost in you know the, the undesirable news that we received last week and got put out there yesterday. So we're, we're we're super proud of what we've done and and, and what we've accomplished. Um, and now, because it's been a long 24 hours uh, and long you know long week RP3. So now that I said that, I forgot your initial question. Initial question was, they make the decision to step away. Why? What was the reason? Yeah, you said multiple yeah. things, but what what was the big primary thing? The market. Um, Lafayette, Louisiana, obviously is you know not the you know not a uh, metroplex type area. We are a community driven region. Um, if that makes sense, what I mean by that, people people understand what it is to to be family and community in, in Acadiana. And so for the PGA Tours, Corn Ferry Tour, the vision they have for this tour is uh, it wasn't working anymore in Lafayette. And for them, you know, we were they they have a they have a number that they feel it takes to to put on a corn ferry tour event. Um, and when they go into a new market, they tell people that number is about one point five million dollars. And that put us about half a million dollars shy of where they wanted us to be to run the tournament. They you know how they want it run and what their expectations are. Every purse on this tour in twenty twenty two became a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar purse. And in 2023, every tour on this, every stop on this tour is going to be a million dollar purse. This was money that was going to all be put in by the PGA Tour. They were not coming, and it was a money grab and telling us that we were going from 
600 to 750 to a million over a two-year stretch, and we needed to put 400,000 more dollars in the purse. That was not the case. So, so let that be known. This money was all being put in by the PGA Tour, and so it wasn't from that standpoint. But it was the whole fact of, hey, we're all going to be million-dollar events now. You need to run this like a million-dollar event, and this is where this is where we want you. And there wasn't a pathway to get there for, for us. You know, we are not the biggest market, but we have told people for a long time, we knew we weren't the biggest market, but we will be the little engine that could as long as they would have us. And we reached a point where uh, the little engine that could couldn't go anymore. And I respect your stance there, and I respect, and I said it earlier when I opened up the show today, Danny, you, you take the high road, and that's, that's, how, that's who you are, right? But I look at this differently, and I, I look at this, and, and I go – I get all that and that they want it, but you know what? NASCAR did the same thing when they went chasing bigger markets in the late 90s and 2000s because they went to go chase money. And they left the smaller markets behind, and it blew up in their face 10 years later. Okay? And I know covering this event as a member of the media, whether it's been radio or print, I know the volunteer base is second to none. I've been to PGA events that don't have the type of volunteers that you guys have here in Acadiana. So I get that it's not a glorious big Metroplex, and I get all that, but going to be hard-pressed to find the volunteers and the people in the community that put up the golfers and let them stay with them and all that stuff that's happened over the years, all the hospitality. They're going to be hard-pressed to replace that, brother. I know you don't, I know you don't want to comment on that, but I'm just telling you that's fact. No, and look, I understand. Look, we, we, we all have personal feelings about different directions that it'll be taken. And, you know, me personally, you know, I understand the, the, the vision they're having. I will personally be curious to see how it plays out over the next two to five years myself. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that this tour had 19 events. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was down from 23, 24 that they had had. And, and they're at 26 events now, and that's where they want to be. Uh, they don't want any more than 26 events, and obviously they don't. They want no less than 26 events. Um, and it just got to the point where they, you know, look, they're they're pushing market size, they're pushing large title sponsorship, um, and you know, when when those two things come, it's going to squeeze uh, the smaller market out, the, the little guy out. That's what happened. Look, it's still to be determined if their vision is uh, comes to fruition, how they want it to be. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll just be sitting in the background like everybody else, uh, watching golf. Look, we, we still love the game of golf. Uh, golf isn't who we were. It was our vehicle to, to raise money, but we'll, we will all be seeing, uh, what the future of golf looks. The game, the business of professional golf has changed drastically, drastically in the last three or six months. You and I talked about this yesterday Yeah. and compared, compared to the change that it's had combined over the last 10 years. There's so much that has changed since our tournament in March in, in the business of professional golf. And um, look, I, I'm I'm rooting for the PGA Tour and uh, you know what that's going to look like in, in the next 12 to 36 months. I have no idea, but the, the 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 business has drastically changed, and it will be interesting to see how professional golf uh, what what trajectory and how it turns out. Uh, like I said, over the next 12 to 36 months and I think decisions at the PGA Tour level obviously affect the future of the Corn Ferry Tour, and uh, so it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, on a lighter note, I guess I need to deserve some of the blame here because 
I finally get around to playing in the pro-am <laughs> this year, and sure enough, then, then then it gets taken away from you. So I guess uh, I guess I need to I need to take some brunt of the blame here, bro- brother. My my, well, my play was look, so look, poor the in the pro-am. So yeah, my my play was so poor in the pro-am that they're like, oh no, we can't have that anymore. <laughs> can't have that anymore. That guy. But um, brother, I look, I know that this this is tough and you're keeping your head up high like you always do and you know you were able to survive the tournament being canceled due to the pandemic and then the restrictions and everything like that to come back you're doing a great job I know it's early in the process but this tournament's just not going to die it's just not going to be forgotten I know you guys are going to try to do something to keep this tournament alive in some sort form or fashion I know it's early in the process but that's the goal, right? Because um, so many people care about it and so many people have been involved that they want to keep it alive in some form or fashion. Well, you know, look, there, there's, a, there's a lot of people that rely on us. Um, Charity-wise, you know, this is a fundraiser for them. Um, to the tune of this year, we were able to give away $200,000 from the tournament this past uh, year, 2022. And, and so, yes, the goal would be to find something um, that makes sense for Louisiana Open, that makes sense for charities. That makes sense for possible sponsorships, if, if that exists. And so what does that look like? We don't know right now. Um, we're going to take it day by day and kind of regroup, lick our, lick our wounds a little bit, and, and then, you know, get back to the drawing board. And, you know, when, when times get tough, you got to work harder. And so that's, that's what we'll do. And we'll see, we'll see if we can remain viable to make a difference. And it has to make sense for the charities and, and involved. If we can make a difference, look, we're not, you know, we're not too egotistical that we, you know, we have to have the, the PGA Tour logo as a part of us. Um, it's, it was part of us for 31 years, and it was a great run. But the Louisiana Open existed before 1992. And so uh, there's an opportunity maybe for Louisiana Open to exist beyond 2022, and we'll see what that looks like. Danny? Appreciate your time, as always, brother. Thank you for everything that you've done with the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Can't wait to see what you're going to do moving forward, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of the week, bud. Well, we appreciate it real quick. I know you're probably up against commercial break. I have to say thank you to everyone that has been involved with the Chittimacha Louisiana Open presented by Mistroff since 1992. Since we were a PGA Tour sanctioned event, it took a lot of sponsors a lot of volunteers, a lot of charities, a lot of media, a lot of vendors, a lot of people being selfless and being very humble uh, of doing tasks that they wouldn't normally do themselves to make this uh, this little engine go. And to the tune, we have a lot to be proud of this entire community raising over $5 million for local charities. So to everyone that's been involved with the tournament, we, we say thank you from the bottom of our heart, and that's all we have right now is, is, is thank you, and, and we hope it's enough for right now. Well said, brother. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks so much. We got to take a time out when we return. Time for us to talk all things LSU with Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, will join us next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the Mad Dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. the mad dog here's a tough question for you bud welcome to the show okay 
What's your go-to style of donut? Not chain, but your style. That's our foodie poll question of the week, my friend. And we're asking the folks, we're asking the people, is it just the traditional old-school glazed donut? Is it a chocolate-frosted donut? Is it a donut filled with jelly or custard? Or is it maybe like a cake donut, something like that other? What's your go-to, your favorite type or style of donut, my friend? Well, you know, having lived in Memphis with Elvis for 30 years, Ooh. people will say, you probably like a jelly donut. But I like, I'm, I'm traditional, I like glazed. Glazed like, donuts, that's what he goes yeah, with. I like glazed. Of course, there's only there's only one one kind that I of glazed that I eat. I cannot mention the, uh, you know, who makes them, but they're... they're KK is the my man, my man. When that red light goes on, brother, woo! Now you're speaking my language. Let me tell you one thing: there, everybody else pretends to make donuts, but nothing melts in your mouth like a KK. Oh, no. you're right. You're right. Yes, yes. We don't need to ask him anything else. <laughs> No, no. And when the light goes on, it's on. Baby. Oh man, it's it's done. It's done. Game over. So it's, it's like it's like you're driving early in the morning, and then you get off the exit. It's like a, a beacon in the night. There's that red light. Hot donuts. <laughs> beautiful sight. It's a beautiful. It's like ah oh, yes, it's an oasis. There it yeah. is. I've I've I found it. I found it. Um, let's talk. The LSU Tigers. I look. I, they played Southern. I, I'm, I'm, so we we got to put things in perspective. They All played right. Southern. Obviously, far more talent on their roster. You're playing an FCS opponent. It, it was a, a great moment, right, for Baton Rouge, for the state of Louisiana, for the, to have this game finally played. It shouldn't have taken this long. It's kind of ridiculous that it did, but it, it's great in that regard. What was your takeaway, though, if anything at all? watching LSU play because I think as bad as we saw them play against Florida State and as good as we saw them play against Southern I still think they're probably somewhere in between personally and I think we're going to find out a lot more Saturday against Mississippi State but what was your big takeaways from the game against Southern I think first of all I thought the LSU band great made great effort to dance like Southern great effort uh looks like Chevy Chase trying to dance but a, a great effort uh, <laughs> But they, 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 it was, I mean, truly, that was what this game was about. It wasn't about, everybody knew what the score was going to be, honestly. They really, really did. I think that's why everybody had a good time because it was relaxed. Everybody knew who was going to win. It was just about a matter of how many. Uh, my takeaway was LSU cleaned up the things you need to clean up, but uh, against an opponent that you could do it with. But now uh, you're stepping up in class and you're playing a team. Uh, uh, that has uh, a substantially better offense. It has SEC caliber athletes. Uh, it's played under a coach. It's been there for three years in a system that is hard to replicate in practice going against. It's a system that LSU has uh, uh, last year they held on to beat uh, in Starkville. Uh, and the year before, of course, the first game after the national championship year in the COVID season, they, they got beat at home, kind of like the start of the end of it, Orgeron, uh, in the, in the, the debut of the great Bo Pelini. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, 
I just think I, I just think it's going to be tough for LSU this week. I mean, I mean they got better, yeah. And Jay Daniels has played played much has played really well. Uh, but I want to see Jay Daniels against a, a SEC defense. I want to see him. Uh, I know he was 10 of 11 last week. Uh, I would like to see him get the ball to open receivers quicker. Uh, I still think he is slow finding an open receiver. Uh, he is qu- still quick to take off out of the pocket, which is understandable because when you can do that, knowing you can get 15 yards because you're so fast, you you have, you have a tendency to lean on it. Uh, but uh, instead of kind of hanging in there and, and trying to find an open receiver, uh, Offense gets a boost this week. Uh, John Emery's back uh, from his suspension from last year and the first two games of this year. Um, how much he can help right away, I don't know. But, I mean, they say he's ready to play, so he's ready to play. He's ready to play. Uh, and uh, defensively, uh, this is a huge challenge for LSU's defense. Uh, you know, like I said before, five-year top six cornerbacks are, are transfers. They're still trying to figure out you know, communication. Uh, so this is a really tough test first time out because you're playing an offense. It's not like any other offense you'll see this year. Uh, you know, I mean, Mike Leach's uh, passing offenses are, are, are just are tough to stop. Uh, I think Brian Kelly knows that. He's played uh, – he, he broke it down pretty good in Monday's press conference. And this is like playing an option offense. Uh uh, they have four or five things they do, but they do them really well. And if you don't play your responsibilities, they're going to find that, you know, where you break down and take advantage of it. So, uh, I mean, state's favorite, and I understand why. Mississippi State's the favorite. It's also year three of Mike Leach, and if you look at what he did at Texas Tech in year three and then Washington State at year three, they always take a step up. And, you know, I was impressed with what I saw with them beating Arizona on the road late Saturday night. So it's going to be a tough task for LSU. What's going to be the key for them, Ron? Because we saw how bad the offensive line looked in the opener. It got better in the second game against Southern, but they reshuffled the line. Do you think the the way the line was built for Southern is what we're going to see at least to start against Mississippi State? Yeah, I do. I think you'll see the same line. Uh, I think the key for this game is the LSU's offense is going to have to put together some long drives. Uh, I mean, Mississippi State is, I think it's third, third in the country in time of possession, 39 minutes. Uh, they just chip away at you. Yeah, they get some, you know, they'll, they'll hit you for plays of 15 or 20, but they just chip, 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 chip. And, you know, and they, they made time of possession. Uh, they, they run the ball better than they have in the past. Um, but they actually have running plays, I believe, in the past. You didn't think that was even possible. I mean, the, look, the last two years, like 90% of their plays have been like pass plays. But this year, they're running the ball better. Uh, I think uh, LSU's, LSU's offense needs to help its defense. Uh, Brian Kelly touched on this, and I agree with him. When you look at the stats, LSU's offense is going to have to put some, put together some drives and eat some time also to keep the ball out of state's hands. When the state gets the ball, they eat a lot of clock and they score. Uh, and they don't leave you much to work with offensively. And then you offensively, you get itchy, and you force the ball to make mistakes because you want to score because you don't, you're not going to know if you can get it back again or not. So, yeah, I'd say LSU's off, offenses, offensive line, and they really have to, you know, put together some drives. But, you know, the, I know they like to point out the last eight times uh, 
you know, the Jay Daniels has, you know, been the quarterback on the drive. They've, they've scored touchdowns. Uh, you know, last three against Florida State, uh, first five against Southern. Uh, again, you're playing the SEC caliber defense now. And, and again, uh, uh, as good as Jaden Daniels was last week, I'm still looking at a lot of plays where he's holding the ball a long time and guys are open. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, there, there's never that trust there when he throws a pass that to throw the ball before a break guy breaks open. It's always guy has to get open, get open, get open, and then throw. Uh, and there's still some timing issues there that uh, might bite him. Again, he can't complain with, with as good as he's played, but I'm sure he's looked at the same stuff on film and saw the same things and know he's got to get better at it. Quickly, defense, what's going to be the biggest challenge that you see that Mississippi State's going to bring to the table? Obviously, it's going to be the air raid offense. They got a veteran quarterback who Mike trust. Is it is it the defensive secondary that's going to be tested, or is it going to be the entire defense, including the front seven? Entire defense. And I think the key to this thing is look, look, you're really going to sack this guy. The ball comes out of his hands so quick, and, and, and to his receivers, he's so good at find open guys and making his second, third read so quickly. It's tough to it's tough to sack him. LSU's key is their linemen have to rush. And, and, and quickly get their hands up, disengage from the offensive lineman and get their hands up to block, to block passes. Because I don't know how, I don't know how many times you get a chance to sack this guy. Because really, honestly, you don't get a chance very many times because he gets, he gets out of his hands into a receiver. And we talked, I talked last night with some defensive linemen about this, LSU. That's, that is a point of emphasis. Get your hands up in a hurry, see if you can block some passes. Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday, brother. All right, Raymond, we'll see you. That's Ron Higgins from Tiger Details, the award-winning columnist, the legend, joining us there, breaking down all things LSU. Yeah, it's great to beat Southern, but you're going to get tested now by Mike Leach in the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Whew. You know what? Let's take a timeout. Let's wrap up hour number two. Let's update that poll question of the day, if you will. We'll do it all next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, are you ready for week two of Thursday Night Football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Do you want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on L.A. or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus is issued as a free bet. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms can be found at DraftKings.com slash football terms. 
licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Poll question of the day. We asked you about what's your style, your preferred go-to style of donut. Oh, it's a good one, too. Hart has chimed in, and he says, at RP3 Sports gets the sole blame on this one today. And he shows him eating a donut with some chocolate milk. <laughs> so apparently our conversation made him change his breakfast plans, which I love. That's what we're here for. We're here to help. We're here to help you get through your day. Every Wednesday with our foodie poll question of the week. Once again, we asked you, what is your favorite type of donut? Is it a classic glazed? Is it chocolate frosted? Is it a jelly or custard filled? Or is it other, like a cake donut or powdered donuts? 51% of you say classic glazed. 25% say chocolate frosted. 15% say jelly custard filled. And 9% say other. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Ton has given us an update because he's working in Columbia. I am familiar with Columbia. Had to drive through it when I visited my family that lived in Alexandria when I worked and lived in Funroe. Woo! Yeah, they're right there on the little little river there, Ton, but there ain't nothing else there, bud. <laughs> Keep those comments coming. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout the remainder of today's show. Two hours in the books, third hour, we're going to kick it off with our guy, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker's going to join us. Talk things all vermilion and white. They're gearing up for their first road game of the season at Rice on Saturday. We'll talk about that and more next, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived here on RP3 and Company. We've covered a lot so far on today's show. Houston Astros winner last night, Hunter Brown. Second win, his second big league start. Sure does look like the show's not too big for him as the Astros get yet another victory, increasing their lead overall in the American League as they try to, well, put together another postseason run, make it six straight ALCS appearances, and maybe another World Series appearance. We also touched on the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Presented by Mistros being dropped by the PGA Tour, as well as the Lake Charles Championship. They're wanting to get it to bigger venues. They're wanting more money. I went on a little bit of a rant about that as well. And of course, we talked some LSU. And now it's time for us to talk Louisiana Raging Cajuns with the man who's been the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He's seen it all. He's done it all. Jay Walker joins us now here on the show. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm I'm fine. First of all, belated happy birthday to you. Thank you, bud. Um, 
and you know, you talked about all of those things, and you missed the most important sports story of the day. Brett Favre stealing money from the state of Mississippi to fund things that he wants to fund? The Los Angeles Dodgers clinched the National League West. There it is. I knew exactly where you go with that. Oh, man. You guys look like a machine yet again, brother. You look like a machine yet again. Well, still, we still need to solidify who comes out in the ninth inning of a close game. Yeah. And it, it, it would be good to get a couple of people off the injured list, but uh, it's been a good year. It's been a good year. It's been a good year for you, Dodgers. It's been a good year for a lot of our baseball teams here uh, here in the area that people root for. Astros, Braves, Cardinals, and uh, even even the Dodgers are having a great year as well. Best record in baseball. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you, don't sleep on the Cardinals. They've played great ball in the second half. They great have, ball. and they've been kind of under the radar too, which is always makes them uh, a little dangerous there. All right, bud, let's talk about the Cajuns. Uh, they couldn't have played a worse first half of football, yet when it was all said and done, uh, final score, 49-21, to 21, 49 points in the second half. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway, what you saw Saturday night at Cajun Field in that win against Eastern Michigan? Well, they could have played worse because they could have turned the football over. They didn't do that. But That's other true. than that, you're right. I mean, they, they had trouble moving the football. Um, you know, after the first series, I thought defensively they did a good job until uh, that last drive, which really ended – on a heck of a throw and catch. I mean, sometimes you got to give the other guys credit. So I'm going to for that last score just before halftime. But the second half, man, it um, was pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I, I've seen some, some really good comebacks um, in the years that I've been doing this, but that was as good as any, you know, you're down, you're down 14 to nothing and you got less than a hundred, you got more penalty yards than you do yards on offense. You come back in the second half, you get, I think, five yards in penalties, and you score on seven straight possessions. Um, that's a turnaround. Uh, it's a huge turnaround. And even when they did come back out of the lightning delay, which delayed us for, what, about an hour, Jay, uh, they, they still didn't look sharp. They gave up the touchdown. But, man, it was like that little brief three-minute halftime that we technically had, and they came back, and it just a light bulb went off. And got to give credit to Guerra, right? His return seemed to give them a spark. And after that, after he got that nice return, the whole game seemed to change. How much of a game changer is he for this team? Well, I think anytime, whether your defense gets a turnover or your game changers make a play, whether it's Chris Smith with a kickoff or Eric Guerra with a punt, and you can give your team a short field, that's always a kickstart. Because if you remember... You know, Garrett had the good punt return, and then on the next possession, they got an interception, and they started inside the 35 again, yeah. turned both of those into touchdowns, and then the route was on. You know, I asked Mike, I said, when did you know you had it? And he said, right after the first touchdown. He said, I knew we had him then. Um, he he praised his team for the um, for the way they handled the lightning delay. And, yeah, they did give up a touchdown when they came out, but I, I, I still think that was more credit to Eastern Michigan than blame on the Cajuns. And then, boy, after that, I mean, they, they gave Eastern Michigan nothing the rest of the way, and Eastern Michigan gave them five turnovers. 
defense is going to be a strength of this team, and they stepped up yet again. They have a knack for forcing turnovers. Now, look, they're not going to get five turnovers a game, Jay. We know that. But the fact that they are they play with kind of a, a certain level of aggression, yet it's, it's, it's a disciplined aggression, which is always nice to see. You know, moving forward, this defense, how can it get better? Well, you know, you've got a couple of puppies that are out there still. That's true. Um, you know, Jordan Lawson and Marcus Weiser, you know, these are guys who are who are seeing the field a lot for the first time. And Lawson's a redshirt freshman, Weiser's a redshirt sophomore. They're only going to get better. And Weiser had two sacks in the game the other night. You saw Casey Osai step up as a reserve linebacker. Heck, he's the state of Louisiana player of the week. Now this week they're getting they're getting Amos back and he'll start he's full go. So uh, can the defense get better? Yeah, they can believe it or not. Um, you know, coaches will tell you you can always do things better, and I think for the Cajun defense that holds true. Um, you know, you're not going to get five turnovers every game. You're right. Here's a trivia question for you. Ready? I'm I'm always ready for you, Jay. Okay. When was the last time the Cajuns had a turnover? It's well, they haven't had one this season. I can't remember right. the last time they had it. November fourth of last year in the game against Georgia State. They've gone seven straight games now without a turnover. They're gonna try to make it eight this week. That's a statistic that's been ignored. It's a statistic that can tell you why they're on a fifteen game winning streak. You play disciplined football, it's going to happen all day long. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's um, offense. Dez kept telling us, hey, I got two really good quarterbacks, and I, I don't deny that, and, and it's been proven to us through two games. What do you make of what you're seeing from the quarterbacks? Because Ben Woolridge was nearly perfect, Jay, coming in. And Chandler, after a slow start, where they had some drops and he had some misreads. He got going as well. The two of them combined for five passing touchdowns. So what do you make of what you're seeing from the two guys that are lining up at quarterback for the Cajuns? I, I think they're good and they're going to get better. Um, you know, Mike, the entire time, has said that he had confidence in whoever, whichever quarterback was going to be out there. And we're starting to understand why. I mean, the, these guys – haven't tried to force a whole lot. They've made good reads. I think, you know, the offensive line hasn't been great opening holes for the backs, but they've protected the quarterback uh, just two sacks in two games. And, you know, these guys have time to throw the football. They're, they're going to find somebody because the Cajuns have receivers that can get open. So I, I like what I've seen out of the quarterbacks so far. Uh, they're not going to be perfect at some point in time. They're going to turn the football over, but um, I sure do like what I've seen so far. The running game, they're they're getting yards, but you don't have anyone that's kind of break uh, broken out yet, right? It's it, we're still kind of figuring that out. Uh, do you expect the running game to improve as the season progresses? I hope so. Um, you know, I think if you stay healthy up front, your guys who don't have a ton of experience are going to get better. 
and you're going to get Landon Burton back this week. Now, he'll probably play maybe a couple series in the first half, a couple series in the second half, because he's not ready to go full bore because he was out for a while and his conditioning's not there. But, um, you know, he's a guy who can, uh, who can really help this offensive line. So I hope as, as they gain more experience and, and, and get totally healthy, um, I think they'll be okay. Now, you know, I don't see Max Mitchell or Kevin Dotson or Robert Hunt out there. Um, but I still think that this, this offensive line continues to be a work in progress. I think they're going to continue to be a work in progress as the season goes. But the idea is to get better every week, and so far I think they're doing Offensive line is a work in progress, which directly impacts the running game. Through a couple games so far this season, Jay, we've seen this wide receiving core. Once again, the depth of it, the guys getting all the experience that they've had the last couple years playing a big role. And I know John Stevens had a career night with the three catches for over 100 yards, but it sure does feel like Jefferson is that guy, right? He feels like he's kind of naturally organically becoming the number one guy in this wide receiving core. Do you feel the same way? Well, when he's in the game, yeah. Um, you know, Tim Leger's mantra has always been, if you're good enough, you're going to play. Well, John Stevens is the guy who plays behind Jefferson. So I think you, you don't look at who the guy is, but who the guys are at that particular position, because that's the position that's really generating yardage and scores for the Cajuns. Because when, um, when Jefferson's out there, Stevens is on the bench and vice versa, but they both play the same position. The other is something we talked about before the season started, and that's the production of the tight ends. Johnny Lumpkin is the leading receiver catch-wise on this team right now. And, you know, that Neil Johnson, we know what he can do. Man, there's a lot of weapons in the passing game for this football team. A lot of weapons. And they use the tight end, right? Uh, it's through two games, the tight end has been prob- uh, has been used. Not neglected, has been actually used. You had all three tight ends catch passes, big-time passes in the game on Saturday. So I think that's also going to be a part of this offense moving forward. Let's turn the page, Jay. 2-0 and on the season, but they have an opponent coming up, their first road game, Rice. The Owls have been down for a little while, but they have some talent, in particular on the line of scrimmage. They got a a draft prospect or two across the defensive line. What's the big challenge that Rice presents the Louisiana Raging Cajuns come Saturday night there in Houston? Well, I I think you just hit on it. You know, they they do have a couple of guys on the defensive line that are pretty good. And uh, so the the Cajun offensive line is going to have to protect the quarterback. Um, and, you know, try to open a hole or two for the running game. But I think the more important thing is protecting the quarterback. I, I think that there are some plays to be had in the passing game if you take care of the guy who says hike. Um, defensively, I think, you know, I, I, I like the Cage. I like the Cajun's defense. I liked them last year. Now they've got running back named Mary Broussard, who's done a nice job for him so far. Uh, their quarterback, McMahon, is, has looked good. But it's very difficult, unless you've watched film, it's very difficult to try to peg this Rice team. Because in their season opener, they went out west, turned it over five times, and got beat 66-14 to 14 against USC. Last week, they come back, they get five takeaways against McNeese, 
and beat them 51 to 7. So Rice hasn't played anybody who looks like them yet. They will this week. And um, and the Cajuns, of course, going to be on the road for the first time. Now, this is a team that's done a really good job on the road the last few years. Um, but it is a road game, and um, you're going to be wearing the white jerseys for the first time. But, I, you know, Mike, and I trust what he says, you know, Mike said this is the best team they've played so far. So that means Cajuns are going to have to go out, keep your mistakes down, keep the penalties down, don't need 100 yards in penalties. Um, and, you know, go do what you do and try to make the other team make mistakes. And um, that's what the, what the game plan will be, I'm sure. One more, Bud, and it's about the Sunbelt Conference because it was a banner day for the conference yet again. We've said that a lot in the last couple of years, especially with football, where App State goes into A&M and beats them. Marshall goes up to Notre Dame and beats them. Georgia Southern goes up to Nebraska and beats them. Uh, this is becoming more of a trend of teams from the Sun Belt, and the Cajuns have been part of that, that go on the road and take down Power 5 teams. How impressive is it for you, as someone who's been voicing games for so long, to see the divide between the Sun Belt and the Power 5 conferences getting smaller and smaller when it comes to competitive football? You know, I had a boss one time when uh, when I was in music radio, and you know, ratings started to skyrocket. And he looked at me and he said, "They all laughed when we sat down to play," and and that's kind of what I think about. You know, the, everybody laughed at the Sun Belt for a long time, and they made some very good strategic ads to the conference, folks that uh, that had some football tradition, and. Um, I, th- I think everybody's feeling the juice right now. I think every, every, you know, people are excited about this league, and they were before the before the season started. And they're even more excited about it now. You know, it's come a long way from the from the champion who had to get a waiver to play in a bowl game because they had a losing record in the first year with North Texas. Um, but but you know, we we talk about those three. There was another impressive win last week, Ray, and that was. South Alabama going up to Central Michigan, a touchdown underdog, and, and winning by two touchdowns, and it wasn't that close. South Alabama's got a chance this week to get another P5 skin on the wall when they go to UCLA. Now, they're 14-point underdogs, but that's a game I think South Alabama's got a chance to win. The one thing they've been missing the last few years, and I've said it over and over and over again, is a quarterback. Well, they've got a quarterback now. South Alabama is going to contend for a championship this year. I'm convinced of it. And um, so UCLA better be ready because South Alabama is going to be ready. I agree. And I said South Alabama presented the biggest challenge to the Raging Cajuns in the West. It just feels like they're growing something there under Kane Womack. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, thank you for making it. And we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the road trip to Houston, brother. I'm looking forward to it and can't wait to talk to you again next week. Go Cajuns. That's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Hey, reminder, we told you earlier that I'll be at the Cigar Merchant on Friday giving away tickets, giving you the opportunity to spin the prize wheel to win tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun games. That's going to happen on Friday. 
But you know what? You'll have another opportunity to score tickets on Saturday. Head over to Acadiana Bar and Grill at 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard this Saturday and hang with the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hannah Five Names. That's right. She'll be there from noon to one giving away tickets for both the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and LSU football programs. Swing by to register, then hang with Hannah, spin the prize wheel, and you can score a pair of tickets to either a Raging Cajuns football game or an LSU football game this Saturday from noon to one at Acadiana Bar and Grill. We got to take a timeout when we return. We'll do a deep dive in on our foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or any other reason, minor landscaping, it does not matter. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out there and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free, and it's the law. Louisiana, Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles remind you, Call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Foodie poll question of the week is always, always on Wednesday. It's our poll question of the day. And inspired by my wife and daughter bringing me donuts yesterday for my birthday, this led us to our poll question of the day. What is your favorite type of donut? I'm not talking brand. I'm not talking, you know, what donut places you go to. I'm talking the type of donut. Are you a classic glazed person? Maybe you like yours chocolate frosted. Maybe you like it filled with jelly or custard. Or maybe you like an old-fashioned cake donut or powdered donuts. We all love donuts. Right now, 53% of you say classic glazed. 23% say chocolate frosted. 16% say jelly custard filled. 8% for others. We've also had people share burgers that are made with donuts as the bread, which just makes me just weep tears of joy 
looking at that kind of stuff. Doug on Twitter says, love Custard Field, but because of my waistline, I'm limited. I know the feeling. Ralph says, really hard to beat a classic glaze when it just came out of its grease bath and is freshly iced. Oh, yeah, when you get the donut just fresh. Oh, is there anything better? Marcus on Twitter says, call me a child, but donut holes over everything. Uh, donut holes are really good. Who dat forever says, do eclairs count? Because those are the greatest things ever created in the history of mankind. Even our very own Clint Domain says, pinecone, basically a bunch of donut holes put together, a glorious combination. We bring in now the legend himself, Steve Wiley, to chime in, give his thoughts, intelligent, thought-provoking, nuanced thoughts about donuts. The stage is set. The floor is yours. Oh, I'm going to disappoint you on this one because I, I know that when I come in here for the foodie poll question of the of the day, you're always kind of anticipating a curveball from me. And I really don't have one for you this time. Although, well, maybe maybe I got a slider. Okay. All right. I'm uh, ready. Do kolaches count? Uh, no, because they're savory, right? Okay. And, 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 right. and they're closer to being a corn dog than they are a donut. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. Well, I do kind of like, uh, I, I'm a chocoholic, but I'm not crazy about chocolate donuts. I okay. don't know why. Love chocolate bars, chocolate milkshake, chocolate ice cream. But I, I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about this one because in the words of Mark Twain, when you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to reevaluate. <laughs> I was not expecting Mark Twain reference on the foodie poll question. God bless you, Steve. Well, Wiley. I'm one of the 53%. My favorite is the classic glazed. Classic glazed. It, if it, and, and it just, if it's done right, right? If it's done right, there's nothing better. Fresh, classic glazed donut right out of the vat. Just delicious. When it melts in your mouth, right? Can't be overcooked. Oh, you know, oh. if it, you cook it too long, it's no good. Yeah, it's no good. It's no good. So Steve says, guess what? I'm not going against the norm this week. I'm going to be part of the majority. He's going to do some self-evaluation afterwards privately <laughs> yeah. in the production studio. But producer extraordinaire who has had enough time today producing the show to braid her hair. Shout out to her for being efficient, multitasking, like most women. Uh, Miss Hannah Five Names, where do you stand on when it comes to the donut? So I'm going to have to go with, not back to the majority, but I would say the glazed donut with the chocolate frosting on top. But I'm going to add it in that I'm a child. I like sprinkles on my donut. She I love me some good sprinkles. <laughs> she likes good sprinkles. Look, nothing beats a glaze. I love the chocolate frosted donuts as well. Okay. But when I was a kid, if you had to, you know, because once again, everything that you love about food stems from your childhood usually, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I'd love the glazed donuts right out of the machine. We're not going to give any free ads, but, you know, they put on a red light when their donuts are ready. That's what I was, that's what I grew up on. But a like field, like a Bavarian field oh. glazed donut mm -hmm. with chocolate frosting. Now from there, I can do it. Everywhere else, I'm a big fan of the the. They don't the get it filling right. Everywhere else, but, but they there. they are the mm -hmm. masters of the the filling inside the donut. And uh, I also like a good, good, like field donut or 
like fruit filling, like a strawberry or cherry that's powdered. I don't know. It's just something different when it's like the filling or a lemon and, and the, the top of the donut has been covered in powdered sugar. Oh, that's a game changer. Ray, I feel like you're being non-committal here, kind of like you're sitting on the fence, my friend. I, I voted in the poll question. I voted <laughs> the original glazed. Oh, okay. I voted. Right. I voted traditional glaze. I See, love all donuts, but if you just like right out the right out yeah. the bat, boom! There's nothing better than just the original glazed donut. I'd have yes. to make the Bavarian cream a close second. I guess Ooh, it is good. Yeah, I would good. only get it from that certain place with the red light. That is part of the reason why. If I have a, on the fence of going to my grandma's house, I'm going to her house in Metairie because I, we can go there and stop right there. That's for right. Breakfast. They have one in close. Yeah. That's right. Right after church, we go there to get. Oh, yeah. I've fantastic. Been there. But Footsie, <laughs> Footsie has chimed in. He says cinnamon. Because, of course, anything with frosting, Foot's going to go against it. So, of course. Foot says cinnamon. But, but hey, a good cinnamon. See, you can't go wrong. But donuts <laughs> are donuts. And then Tulti season to bring in beignets. No, they don't count as donuts. <laughs> They don't count. <laughs> Steve, this brother? won't score me any points in New Orleans, but I'm just not crazy about beignets. Oh, oh, we got to take them. Oh, we got to screen off screen done. We got to take a time out on that note. <laughs> oh, brother, that you may have inspired us for our next week's foodie poll question of the week for <laughs> our good friend, Mr. Steve Wiley, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. We got to take a timeout. When we return, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdin is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Andrew Juge from the Saints Half Hour Podcast joins us now. Andrew, how does it feel, bud, to get the win? And how does it feel to beef on social media with New Orleans natives who work for the mothership? <laughs> Everything's good, man. Look, I was at the game. I was fortunate enough to be in Atlanta, and uh, it feels good. I, I got to tell you, uh, coming out of the stadium, and I mentioned this on my podcast, um, you come out of the aisle and it was just incredible scenes. Uh, for, first of all, you know, there were probably maybe 35, 40% Saints fans in the building in Atlanta, which was impressive. It was a really big turnout. And as you exit the stadium, you have Falcons fans that are obviously hit, hit, headed for the exits and single file line. And there were tables there, Saints fans standing on top of those tables, waving Falcons flags, Hudat chance. I mean, it was like a Mardi Gras parade in there. It was crazy. Uh, and that's what football is all about, man. So it was a great experience. There wasn't a lot to celebrate for three quarters. That second quarter was the worst football I've seen. A, the worst quarter of football I've seen from New Orleans since Mike Ditka was the head coach. Because I don't count the Katrina year and what happened that year as bad football. That was a natural disaster. It was the worst football I've seen from the Saints since Ditka was the head coach. What in the heck was going on there in the second quarter and for the first three quarters in Atlanta? There was one Thursday night football game where Drew Brees, it was actually against the Falcons, I believe in Atlanta, and uh, Brees threw five interceptions that day. So there was one game that, that comes to mind in the Sean Payton. We, we won't count you know, the Dolphins last year, the COVID game, but 
that that was probably the worst I've ever seen the Saints play under Sean Payton. And it felt minus the turnovers, it kind of felt like that. Um, inept on offense, couldn't stop the run. Uh, I, I'll also share with you that there was a huge every time the Falcons got a first down on the loudspeaker, there would be this Falcons streak that would happen. It was super annoying. I, I asked Falcons fans around me, how, how do you put up with this? And they, they were getting a lot of first downs, Raymond. So it was happening a lot. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, look, you're absolutely right. It, it was three quarters of absolutely miserable football that led to a 26-10 deficit. Uh, the Saints were absolutely getting whipped on both sides of the line. And, and as you know, in football, that's always a recipe for disaster. I mean, forget everything else. If you can't win in the trenches up front on both sides of the ball, you're not winning football games. And, uh, you know, it really took a miraculous run in the fourth quarter to pull that game off. Uh, but kudos to the Saints. They made it happen. And I have to say on some level, more than believing in the Saints, I should have been trusting in the Falcons' propensity to choke uh, because we know they do that better than anyone, and that was totally on brand for the Atlanta Falcons. What was the turning point of the game for you? What changed? What changed offensively? It seemed like the tempo changed, and that made a difference, and then Jarvis Landry and Mike Thomas just kind of took over in the wide receiving core. Well, you mentioned Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry, and, and I'll throw Chris Olave in there, but I, I just think you, you rewind back to a year ago, the Saints just didn't have those weapons. And so, you know, I think the turning point is you're down 26 to 10. You go out of the shotgun. You spread out all these new weapons that you have at, at receiver, and Atlanta just couldn't match up. And so you see the Saints go four plays, 80 yards, boom, touchdown. They took about a minute and 20 seconds off the clock. So uh, they were able to quickly go down and get a score. This is when they were down 26-10. They get eight point. They get the two-point conversion. So immediately make it a one-score game. And I think that was a moment of clarity for the Saints that, look, we have these new great receivers. Let's put our quarterback out of the shotgun and let's just start slinging it. And, uh, look, the margin for error there was basically zero. I mean, they had to play a perfect fourth quarter to pull that off, and they did. Uh, but I think that gave the offense the momentum they needed. And defensively, I, I think it put just enough pressure on Atlanta to where they started to feel uh, that this game could slip away from them. And uh, sure enough, it did. Let's talk about – you brought up the shotgun. Why are we running Mark Ingram – out of the shotgun when you got the bulldozer Taysom Hill that Elena couldn't stop earlier. Why are we calling plays with Mark Ingram in the shotgun? Yeah, I, I think everyone in the stadium and, and outside of it was kind of feeling the same way as you and that with that question, Raymond. I, I think I, I look at it and uh well first of all, if you're gonna run that play, you think about Taysom Hill having four carries for over eighty yards. And well the first question I ask is you go on, on your first touchdown drive in the first quarter, he rips a 57-yard run, and then he ru rushes for 13 more for a touchdown, and you only give him two more carries the rest of the game. So, you know, when your offense is struggling as much as the Saints' offense was, sometimes maybe it's a good idea to go back to the one thing that was working. So I would have used Taysom Power more often in this game regardless. But if you're going to do it on a two-point conversion, he's the guy. Not, not Mark Ingram. You know, he's the guy that's been successful doing it. So I think maybe that the Saints are guilty of overthinking things a little bit there. Uh, you know, I'll also share that at that point, Jameis was cooking. The Saints, so I, yeah. I, I would also argue for throwing the ball in that situation. They had just converted a two-point conversion, throwing it to Chris Olave, which, by the way, 
was the first time the Saints had converted a two-point conversion in 18 tries. Um, so I would have gone back to the well there or run it with Taysom. But, yeah, that, that, that play call in particular was a real head-scratcher for me. Will Lutz gets to redeem himself as well, right, after missing a kick. He makes the long kick. He looks like classic Will Lutz. Even Peyton Turner gets in on that partial block. He got his big mid up, and they pull out the win. So it's a great, you know, Thomas, a couple touchdowns. Jarvis Landry proves to be just an absolute stud. Winston rallies the troops on offense, and they pull out the win. And it's a great dramatic victory. A Are tremendous you- victory. Yeah, and, tremendous. And look, I, I, yeah, I think the thing that people forget about is Jarvis Landry. Look, they're basically paying him in beignets and Zach potato chips this year. So uh, between the zaps and the beignets, that's really all Jarvis Landry has to show for his contract. And uh, it's really crazy when you think about some of the receiver contracts that were thrown out this year. I mean, C- Christian Kirk is the first guy that comes to mind, and uh, just just what the Jags paid him on specs, basically. And uh, it's stunning to me that a guy like Jarvis Landry has such a low contract considering how successful he's been in his career in the league and what a steal that is for the Saints. Uh, You know, so much is talked about how the Saints are fiscally irresponsible, how they don't manage their draft picks well. You know, national media likes to harp on that a little bit. But when you look at what they're paying Jameis Winston and Jarvis Landry far, far below market rate, and obviously, they got huge performances from those two guys. Huge performances. Defensively, are you are you worried at all? Because they got pushed around and they got ran on and by Marcus Mariota and a bunch of other guys. Like it's not as if Adrian Peterson was in his prime out there running against them. They got pushed around. Demario Davis got pushed around, especially in the first half. Do you feel like Dennis Allen and that defense can correct its issues with running and stopping the run? Yeah, I certainly hope so. Uh, but, yes, it is a concern. Look, at the Saints had one quarterback hit in that game. No sacks, one quarterback hit. And it came from Demario Davis on a blitz. So, you know, the edge rushers, the interior pressure, like it, it, it has to be better. This defense for the last few years has hung its hat on stopping the run. And they get in those favorable pass rushing situations by making it third and seven by stopping the run. And uh, Cordero Patterson, by the way, I mean, the game he had, he's uh, put himself on the ballot, you know, for Saints Killer Hall of Fame after that performance. Oh, he always plays so well against them. He does. He does. So he's in the mix now. You know, he's he's chasing Joey Galloway for first place at this point, but. (laughs) Look, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's obviously a huge concern. Uh, I think when you look at defensively, this is not what we were expecting from the Saints. We expect them to be dominant. Uh, if, if I give myself a little hope here, it's that, you know, first of all, none of these guys played in the preseason, and that's the cost. The, the, the benefit and the pro of doing it the way the Saints did is that you don't get as many injuries, and, you know, hopefully you get all your horses healthy for week one. The downside of that is that there hasn't been a lot of reps and some, this is a physical, violent game. It takes reps. It takes time to kind of elevate to that level of mentality, mentality, especially on defense. And it really wasn't there for the Saints. And so I'm hoping that what we saw in the fourth quarter, which was a little bit better, will translate into the next game. Now, they've always had trouble against mobile quarterbacks in the read option offense. We saw it against the Eagles the last two years. And, and so I think Atlanta presents, especially with Mariota now at quarterback where you don't have kind of a statue and immobile quarterback and Matt Ryan back there. 
they present a new set of challenges for the Saints defense. Uh, but this week's going to be interesting because now we know they've had Tom Brady's number. We know they match up really well against the Bucks, And uh, so I- I'm looking forward to this game and looking forward to seeing how they respond. If we see another disappointing performance from the defense, then I think it's time to worry because this, this matchup to me is one they should be very prepared for. And here's the other thing, and that leads us to my last question, is, yes, Tampa Bay comes to town, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette had a monster game against Dallas. But Dallas looked lost even before Dak's injury. But they come in with a victory. I get all that. But no Godwin, right? Or no no Chris Godwin. He's going to be out one of the weapons. Uh, one of their offensive linemen is going to be a game-time decision. And... It's not like they put up a ton of points. They had to settle for a lot of field goals in that opener against Dallas. Do you like the Saints' chances at home to improve to 2-0 on the season? I really do, yeah. They've had Tampa's number. Um, getting Paulson and Debo back is going to be a big deal. So that that's on the injury report this week. Uh, we'll get our first glimpse of it today, and that'll be one to watch, just making sure he can play. Obviously, Alvin Kamara also got banged up with a little rib issue. He seems to be okay, but that's another one to watch. Uh, But if the Saints come into this one healthy, I do like the matchup. I think they're going to be focused on stopping Leonard Fournette and then getting into man coverage and uh, hoping that their corners can hold up uh, and that they can pass rush with four, knowing that Tom Brady is not a very mobile quarterback and that he gets uncomfortable if you can get pressure up the middle. Uh, So that's going to be the game plan, and I think the Saints have – the personnel and I think they see the game plan very clearly because they've done it successfully over the last couple of years and so I do like the Saints in this one uh, but uh, look I think Tampa knows very well that they've struggled in this matchup as well and so I know they're going to be hungry and so the, the level of intensity and the lack of preparation that, that the Saints brought in the first three quarters of this Atlanta game is not going to work uh, they're going to have to play four quarters to win this one uh, but I believe coming back home uh the, the struggles that they had is, is a huge wake-up call. Very fortunate to come out with a win in Atlanta, but I, I think we'll see a different side, and I think the Saints will be motivated to have a really good game. Andrew, appreciate your time. As always, brother, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Yep, have, have a appreciate it, as always, Raymond, and have a write-up uh, coming at you shortly uh, that you'll see on the, the game website, so uh, be on the lookout for that. and. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Multimedia superstar, Andrew Jews. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you. Hey, Andrew's ready for week two. Are you? Thursday night football is going to be tomorrow night. It's going to be a good one, LA and KC. You can get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game to get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on LA or KC to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME and get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Eligibility, terms, and more information, including restrictions, or can be found at DraftKings.com slash football terms. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show, get you set up for Kevin Foote in a glorious edition of Footnotes. That's next 
right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see the Strohs take on the Tampa Bay Rays Saturday, October the 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last, the final Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. Astro weekend getaways, of course, are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests, Jenny, Danny Jones of the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details, Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns, and Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Final results of the poll question of the day. We asked you today, what is your favorite type of donut? That is inspired donut shenanigans here, courtesy of our intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. 54% of you say classic glaze, 22% say chocolate frosted, 14% say jelly custard filled, and 10% say other. Thank you for all who voted on the poll question of the day, and you're welcome, all of you who then got inspiration to go get your own donuts. You're welcome. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. That's right. Ooh, Mr. Cajun came in with apple fritters. Stu's right says, boudin balls with cane syrup. Give me a baker's dozen. What? What? And then Tom said, final update. Offered donuts by a client. They were plain glazed and tasted of sorrow and regret. <laughs> for Steve Wiley, for the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, our donut guy, and the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parch, the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Footnotes with Kevin Foote is up next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for LSU and Astros. <laughs>